Steel with your host, DJ Ryan Midnight. Roll up the rug, grab your favorite drink, and let's dance. Our tuning starts in Minnesota Take I-35 to 90 Sioux Falls, South Dakota Big holiday country girl Hope we're gonna make it on down She said, yeah, Tim I'm good to see you, man Hope you all stay alright The future's not hard to see Do what you do, girl But please don't live I'm gonna hold on to you as long as I can, I'm gonna hold on to you as long as I can. And if you choose to leave me, girl, I'll understand. I'm gonna hold on to you as long as I can. Good damn going on again into the darkest night. We were born to ride now, baby, right to the morning light. Took a trip down to Kansas. In Arkansas, stayed with her sister. That girl's above the law. The future's not hard to see. Do what you do, girl, but please don't live. I'm gonna hold on to you as long as I can. I'm gonna hold on to you as long as I can. And if you choose to leave me, girl, I'll understand.
Okay, welcome. This is 100% Ska, and I am your host, DJ Ryan Midnight. Uh, after taking a uh, week off last week, we are back in the studio, back live, as always, from our secret location deep in the heart of Jersey City. Hope you're having a good time. Hope you uh, survived that little uh, heat wave uh, earlier in the week. Um, I did. Probably lost about two pounds just sweating my ass off, but uh, here we are. Uh, you just heard of, with that opening track was uh, Tim Armstrong, uh, backed by the Agrolites with uh, Hold On. Uh, that comes off of Tim's self-titled uh, album back in 2007, which is finally making its uh, vinyl uh, debut this year. Um, th earlier this year, uh, for Record Store Day, they had a uh, very limited run of, uh, I think it was like white vinyl, um, and is commanding super crazy prices on eBay. And they finally got around, uh, Hellcat, record, Hellcat Records, that is, uh, finally got around to getting the uh, you know, regular uh, black vinyl edition out uh, just last Friday. So if you've been if you've been hankering to have that album uh, on record, it is now available for purchase. Um, what else is going on? Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, but um, tonight's episode, um, actually, uh, we're going to listen to some, uh, some music in a little bit. But um, coming up, I have a crazy extended... Uh, interview with uh, Mush One, who is the uh, former tr trumpet player uh, for the Slackers, now playing in uh, his his form band, Top Shot Band, uh, in New York, as well as Hungry March Band. And uh, so we're going to be listening to that uh, in a little bit. Um, as always, uh, this, uh, this broadcast is fueled by Jamaican rum uh, and also seltzer water, because it is important to stay hydrated. So, since we've got a lot uh, ahead of us, why don't we listen to some music first? Uh, so, starting off here, we have uh, Los Placebos, which is actually from Germany, uh, and their song, Ska Police. You are listening to 100% Ska.
back. This is 100% Ska. I'm your host, DJ Ryan Midnight. As always, hope you're enjoying this show so far. Uh, let me give you a little rundown of what you just heard. Uh, right off the bat there at the end was The Fuss with We're Going Out. Uh, good side note, if you enjoyed that song, The Fuss will have a uh, full-length album coming out with, from uh, Jump Up Records, I believe within the next couple weeks or a month or so. So pay attention uh, for that. That was, uh, I believe, also fully produced by uh, Agent J uh, of the of the Slackers and Crazy Baldhead and uh, who knows what else he's all into nowadays. Um, so if you enjoyed that, uh, pay attention for that. Uh, before that was NST and the Soul Sauce, all the way from South Korea uh, with their song, Song for Rico. Um, a nice little tribute to Rico Rodriguez. Uh, before that was The Toasters, off of their very first 7-inch single. Uh, that was The Beat. And starting us all off there was Los Plusibos with Ska Police. And now, without further ado, um, well, I guess I'll intro this and then we'll get to it. Um, like, as, as, you know, for your regular listeners, you know, I do, like, mostly... Um, all music here. Um, a few interviews here and there. Um, and again, I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, very fortunate enough to get uh, on the phone with uh, Mush One, uh, formerly of the Slackers, uh, now of um, Top Shot a Band and uh, Hungry March Band. And uh, I got on the phone with him and we just had a blast talking. So this is going to be kind of like almost like a, an audio uh, conversational podcast. Uh, this week because this is a crazy long interview. I am speaking with uh, Mush One, a uh, New York City-based uh, trumpet player who is currently playing with um, a few uh, you know, bands, Top Shot a Band and uh, Hungry March Band. And really, Mush, what I got to ask right offhand, you play the trumpet, why do you hate success? <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a valid question for almost any trumpet player, because in the year 2018, the trumpet is almost as antiquated as like the sack but really people, most music doesn't utilize the trumpet. People don't really know what the trumpet is anymore. And if people see the trumpet and recognize it as a musical instrument, the best they can usually muster is something like, oh, you play the horn because they assume that if it's in a horn section, the name of the instrument is the horn. And the saxophone, the trombone, and the trumpet are all just called the horn. So why is a, is a good question. I have no idea. I've, I've been playing it since I was eight years old, and I've been playing almost every day. Since then, my only answer is I don't know how to stop anymore. What? Well, that's... It's, it's just something I do. You know, like you brush your teeth every day, and... You know, you eat every day and you go to the bathroom every day. And I also just play the trumpet every day. It's just become like one of those natural processes, so I guess. So you, you just mentioned like, yeah, you go to the bathroom every day. So like, you know, you play the horn and shit at the same time. So you're basically just <laughs> take, taking care of two things with one, like at the same time. No, it's that's hard. It's hard. That's like sneezing and coughing and burping at the same time. It's like hard to do them all at the same time. Uh, so you now, now while I mentioned the two bands uh, at the top, you also uh, used to play uh, trumpet for uh, the Slackers um, when they when they first started. Um, you're playing back in the early uh, '90s, and you, if I remember right, you basically left the band right when they were getting good. What's up with that? Uh, so neither of those statements are accurate, but 
I'm I haven't played the Slackers for I played with the Slackers almost ten years, and I haven't played with them now for eight or nine years. But I'm I'm happy to talk about them if you want to talk about the Slackers with me. Uh, I I wasn't a founding member of the band. The band had been together as a, at a, as a at first a three piece, and then a five piece for the first two years, and uh, I started playing with them after they'd been together for two years already. And Dave Hilliard from Hepcat and I had been had been playing with the Elstonians, started playing with them at the same time. They'd already been together for two years when we started playing with them. And so and you and I think you went you went through you were playing with them like through the early early two thousands. I think the last studio record you were on was uh Wasted Days. Um they're on they're on Hellcat Records. They're you know obviously touring internationally and you're like what success no no i gotta get out of this yeah i i would definitely say that the opposite was true i mean to me that my two favorite records of the bands and i mean i'm i you could say i'm being biased but i i promise i have no interest in this either way or really red light and the question so i mean to me i i definitely don't feel like i left just as the band was getting good i mean in my view of it from being there to me the band started getting good around the time and after we made um the first record for moon which was uh better late than never and you have to remember that we i the horn section had already joined the band two years before that record was made and then the band had been playing two years before that so when i joined the band 1993 with dave hilliard they were already releasing a demo tape that was like punk ska songs and Dave and I, the joke is that we ruined the band because punk ska is the kind of ska music that got really popular and those bands made a lot of money, no doubt. And Rancid and the Boss Tones, those are the bands that got really big playing punk ska. And the Slackers were like the New York City version of that, you know, the, of what Rancid was doing and what all those other bands were doing. They were the New York City kind of punk ska band and Dave Hilliard and I ruined them. You know, yeah. like, we're the reason that they we forced them to start playing traditional rootsy ska because we played horns and we both love jazz. We both love the Scottalites and all Studio One and Scratch Perry. Like, that's the music we loved. And we forced the Slackers to change and play that kind of music. They didn't really, they didn't really want to. They weren't one of those bands doing that. The Insteps were doing that and the Scofflaws were doing that. But the Slackers definitely were not doing that. The Slackers are this big mishmash of punk new wave mod kind of fishbone like they're doing all roots reggae like all, all sorts of different stuff but they definitely were not playing rootsy ska and rocksteady or skinhead reggae they weren't doing any of those things see now are the ones that ruined <laughs> ruined I, them and stopped them from doing punk music and made this, this rootsy music that's not commercially viable and and see and you put you you did all this and you put all this effort into it and you could have just said Yo, just you know, stomp on the distortion box. Just I'm just gonna play like two notes on my horn, and you know we'll be signed. We'll be signed to Mojo in like no time. Right, because that's the thing. At, at the time in 1993, though, punk none of those bands were big yet. So it, it's not like punks punk ska didn't get big till three or four years later. So it's not like one was popular and what wasn't popular at the time. Every there was all underground, and to us. 
if you want to have us play in the band of a horn section, you have to play music that requires horns. You know, to us, punk rock songs didn't need a trumpet and a sax song. If you're gonna have a trumpet and a sax, we had the band playing the song Work Song by Nat Adderley, this famous jazz song. Mm-hmm. We did a ska version of it. And, you know, Dave is a, a re- really good songwriter and he was working with, Vic is also a really good songwriter. When they got together, Dave was kind of helping Vic's songs sort of become rootsy ska songs. You know, Vic is this incredible songwriter, but Vic always says like his songs could be any style of music. You know, he plays a lot just by himself playing a guitar and stomping on a tambourine with his foot. And it sounds like folk music mm-hmm. and he could, he could, those songs could be anything. But when Dave and I joined, Dave helped Vic's songs become, you know, these rootsy Jamaican sounding songs. Yeah. And, you know, and actually, I, I mean, you know, made a few jokes, but like in all seriousness, um, better than better late than never was, I would say one of my major entryways into the traditional ska sound. Um, before that, I was listening. It was like more or less like the Boston's and kind of like this more a little bit more like this country stuff. And then to hear the Slackers, to hear Better Late Than Never, and then probably like next week after that, hearing um, you know Hepcats um, out of nowhere, which is like this is amazing. Like this is such an amazing sound um, and really. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think the band was just getting good in two thousand. I mean, to me, the yeah. band was getting good in 1993 to 1996 when like we stopped playing the punk songs and started playing more root songs or even some of the punky songs we started rootsifying them and adding horns and slowing them down a bunch of the songs we just kind of made them throw away you know they just play the song tarantula the song under the giant is a posse though the whole first demo tape was re-released as something called these aren't the nods it's the slackers or something like that or they even re-recorded some of those songs and called it the nods yeah it was like before they were the slackers they were the nods right yeah when dave and i joined the band we were still playing all the songs so some of them we added horns to and a bunch of them we, we just wouldn't be on the stage they would when we joined the band they would play like half a set or a third of a set of those songs with us just standing in the dressing room and then we they would play work song. We'd come on stage with work song, and then it was like, oh, this is the part of the set where we're now playing rootsy ska music. So it was like they were already playing eight styles of music. Now we just added like a ninth and a tenth to them all. And I, my thing was like I was just really pressuring Vic, like, look, the music's no continuity. We got to like decide what we're gonna do. And if we're gonna have a horn section, then this is what we want to do because you're gonna have horns. We're gonna play music that has horns and not just be playing punk new wave songs, you know? Yeah. And, and so now with your, with your current project, one, one of, I should say, one of your current projects, uh, Top Shot of Band, like you're going even almost farther back. So like, you know, for people that might not be familiar with you, I mean, I listen to your, to Top Shot and I hear a lot of Scatolites. I hear Baba Brooks. I hear, um, like Upsetters slash, uh, you know, Scratch Perry, you know, his, you know, their dub, the, the dub pieces, uh there so was that something that was that band was was the the genesis of top shot even a extension of like that need to like get back into that as well i mean you have to understand like top shot is now the third band that i've led since i left the slackers you know after i left the slackers i had a band called fireproof uh pretty much immediately i was already playing with them i would say like a year after i left the group and uh, we made an album with sister nancy back in 2000 somewhere around 2001 or 2003 called Sister Nancy Meets Fireproof. So that was my first band after I left the Slackers. 
Then I, on another, uh, my second band after I left the Slackers was called the Scorchers. And that was uh, uh, also with Luis Zuluaga, the original Slackers drummer. He and I had that band. And that uh, Fireproof was like a really rootsy, heavy dub with horns and Sister Nancy chatting over it. The Scorchers was pure ska music and rock steady music. And we had three girl singers singing harmony, three part harmony over like a 10 piece ska band with a four piece horn section. And the singer of that band, Alicia Williams, is a really, really, really incredible singer. Her father's name is Garland Finn. And he sang, her father, the Scorchers singer's father, sang in the big band in Jamaica in the 1950s that the Scottalites played in before ska. Which is, which is that, that's wild. I mean, just I know, to, that, to have that, like that, that continuity. That's like a lot, yeah, but basically, I'm sure people that listen to the show like know what the history of ska and we're not going to regurgitate it all right now. But, you know, ska didn't happen until like the early 60s. But before that, there was musicians in Jamaica playing live music, but they weren't playing ska in the 50s because it didn't exist yet. They were playing big bands swing music. And her father was the singer in that in that band that I'm spacing out on the name right now. And uh it's a, he's a very famous band leader, and I, I just I wish I could remember his name. Um, he also started the very first Jamaican Musicians Union. He's a trumpet player, and if you look him up, he's like won all these awards in Jamaica. He's like a really famous guy. So Lloyd Nibb, the drummer, was in that band. Mm -hmm. uh, the, drum, the original drummer, Scottlights. Roland Alfonso, the Scottlights tenor saxophone player, was in that band. So her dad was like working with these guys before Scott existed, and her voice sounds like cross between Sarah Vaughn, like a jazz singer, and Marcia Griffiths, which is like, to me, my favorite female reggae vocalist. She was in the I-3s with Bob Marley, and she's a superstar in her own right. And she has like Sarah Vaughn's kind of voice, but with Marcia Griffiths feeling. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. I We didn't have a manager, and uh, we really just played locally in New York. I just booked the band myself. And we never really got super wide exposure, but yeah, that band was incredible. There's videos of it on uh, on YouTube a little bit. Wait, well, definitely. We 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 did an album that came out on Moon and Dump Up, and so now Top Shotta Band is my third band since leaving the Slackers. And Top Shotta Band we formed in 2010, so we've been together eight years now. And you guys have been, have been playing like fairly consistently, like throughout that, oh, that yeah. whole that oh, whole yeah. time. Definitely, yeah, and so. You know, Fireproof with Sister Nancy was like really heavy, like dub roots dance hall. The Scorchers was like pretty much like straight ska and some rock steady. And then Top Shotta Band started out as like a lot of like roots and rockers, dubby kind of music. And like I said, we've been together eight years. We have an, our album came out about five years ago, our first album. I'm finishing our second album now. That's going to be actually a ska album. You know, like I love ska and I love reggae both so much, but I don't want do them at the same time i kind of feel like you kind of focus on something and you do it i don't like bands that like are jumping around and every single song is like completely different you know a band plays a funk song then they play a rock song then they play a country song it's like i i i want to hear like some sort of like continuity you know it's, the stuff is like connected somehow mm -hmm. you know so this next album is gonna be like really 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 ska and it's uh yeah it's, i'm psyched it's almost done and 
it's been a long time since the last one came out. You know, music doesn't pay a whole lot of money. There's not a huge financial incentive <clears throat> to rush the album out because it's not like once the album comes out, money starts raining from the sky. People don't pay for music in 2018 anymore. People don't pay for recorded music. So I just want to come out and we're going to have a whole new body of music that we're going to start performing. So I'm just excited to have just for new, fresh stuff, you know. Now, now speaking of actually uh, fresh stuff coming out and even like, looking at uh, playing a very specific style of music. Um, one of the other uh, major outfits that you are you are with um, is the Hungry March Band, which is not Scott, it's not reggae. It's this like insane, you know, street brass uh, marching band, which is like the, the, uh, the, the high school band geeks have taken over and, uh, and are just, are, are just running amok. Um, now, um, how did how did you get how did you become associated um, with uh, Hungry March Band? Uh, it's funny because everything I just said about I don't want to play 19 styles of music in one band and I want to really keep one play one style of music and keep some sort of continuity. It's exact opposite of what Hungry March Band does. Hungry March Band it does exactly the opposite. They really do play 19 styles of music, but somehow it's filtered everything is filtered throughout the band's aesthetic and once it comes out it doesn't matter what kind of style of music it is it kind of sounds like hungry march band yeah uh, I, i've been the band's been together since 1997 we formed it's formed in 1997 as a group of artists that wanted to play the mermaid parade and it started as an art project with a bunch of artists that most of whom weren't musicians made costumes and got instruments at thrift stores basically like as an art project and it wasn't super super musical but they made noise and they had crazy costumes and it became a band and somehow over time has become like super tight and most of those people that weren't musicians either developed and became musicians or left and now the band is actually made up of like musicians that are like into their instruments it, uh i've been playing with them since 1999 and it's funny it's around the, around the time i was leaving the slackers i just started going to some loft parties in brooklyn i was friends with two people one of whom was involved in something called complacent.org and the other one uh that was involved in this thing um Oh, he's gonna be so mad that I forgot the number right now, and I should be saying in the interview. But they're basically, they were like a Burning Man cell, like you know how Al Qaeda has like cells, yeah. like, <laughs> well, supposedly. Well, Burning Man has cells like all over the world of like burners that are, do like little art, small art kind of expl fiery explosion things like at home until they converge each year onto Burning Man. And um, I was friendly with someone that did this crazy electronic music. He's like, he's a really smart engineer and a musician. He would like turn the Nintendo Power Glove into an instrument. So when you wave the Power Glove around, it would like play a song. Um, so they, both those groups used to have these big crazy warehouse parties that I started going to and Hungry March Band went to every single one. And this very early iteration of the band that wasn't super musical, but was just kind of like, jamming on three notes and all crazy and it's like firing explosions everywhere and i just was seeing them all the time and the band was like struggling and you could tell there were some very good musicians in the band but the band didn't really have it together and i was just i kept seeing them everywhere and i, I was like a little 
it was kind of like if you can't beat them, join them. And I was kind of frustrated that I was always seeing this band as like very atonal, like almost like a free jazz marching band. And it was like very crazy. And I was like, you know, it's better for me to bring my trumpet and try to add something to it positively instead of just standing here and partying and not playing with them. So I just started bringing my trumpet because I just knew that they were going to be at these things. And next thing in over two years, I just was playing with them a lot and I wasn't in the band. I was just showing up to all these gigs of theirs and playing. And after two years, I started to feel guilty. And I was like, you know, I would hate that guy. I'd be like, what the hell? He keeps showing up to our stuff and playing. I actually knew like three quarters of the music of the bands by the time the repertoire wasn't that big. There's a lot of amorphous jams. And after two years, I was like, hey, this is my name. I'd like to actually formally join the band if you guys will accept me. And you've been very gracious to let me play with you all this time and not just throw a rock at me. And uh, that was 1999. Inexplicably, it's the year 2018 now. So I've been playing with the band 19 years now. Which is which is well. Now I know with with Hunger March Band, I mean, there, it is such a, a large cast of characters. You know, you've kind of like they give it a little bit of a hint of like kind of like the the metamorphosis that the band has has gone through new members go in new member like old members go out um so yeah it, that's it, kind of one of the cool things with the band is that it, you know 19 years is a long time to be in a band playing some of the same tunes with some of the same people but um you know the hungry march band is like the multi-headed hydra that cannot be killed and because it's such a big band we have anywhere from like 13, 12 13 to 18 19 sometimes even we've had over 20 and up to 25 people in the band before if you don't have perfect attendance the show still goes on the only person that can't miss the gig is the sousaphone player because then you have no bass and you can't play a song without a bass but if we we have four trumpets if one trumpet doesn't show up the show still goes on we have five we have four or five saxophones if one, if one sax doesn't show up the show still goes on we have three or four drummers if one drummer doesn't come we still play so there's a lot of breathing room where when it starts to get claustrophobic and the personalities are starting to get on each other's nerves, or if you feel like you're having this sort of burnout, if you take a step back for a minute, the show still goes on. And then you just come back like even stronger and with more creativity refreshed to add to the project, you know? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you have like, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it is a very collab, you know, my understanding is obviously a very collaborative uh, you know, effort that that does move on. The, the multi-headed hydra is 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 a, is a fantastic uh, you know description of the band. Um, but is there is there you know as you you see like members come in, members come out, like um, any challenges as being part of that ensemble? Like trying to like you know teach these new members like the songs or um, like of course kind of everything, everything. I mean, to me, like the really exciting part of being in a band is really when the band is like finding out who what who we are and what the band is and what we're going to play and discovering your sounds it's like to me it's not like your phil specter goes into the studio and he had a certain sound you know like and so everything he did they had that sound and you came in and you made his sound but my thing as a producer is really like I want to surround myself with the best musicians that I can find and then find out what we sound like and make that sound awesome, you know? And yeah. 
that's sort of what was happening with the slackers which is why it was so exciting because the band was like in a super creative super hard working mode when i joined it where we would just do these we'd rehearse like twice a week or three times a week but the rehearsals were like hours and hours long it wasn't like renting a rehearsal space for two hours boom 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 practice these 15 songs or 12 songs and then leave it was like we just we had two or three days a week every month and those were our days and no one looked no one ever looked at a clock you know we just got in there everyone got these box their boxes of entermans or rolled their split or they never needed to do and we just rehearsed for hours and hours and hours like all like sunday would just be like the entire day into the night tuesdays would be like after people got out of work until like way way after midnight and beyond and it was like exciting because everyone in the band was like on a singular singular mission that we all wanted the band to be awesome and it wasn't like we want to sound like the skylights we wanted to sound like ourselves we just wanted to sound like the best version of ourselves that we could and everyone was in that group mindset and no one was like looking at the clock being like it's been two hours i have to leave it was like the music sounds so good and that let's do it again let's that song's so good let's do it again and you know vic is this genius songwriter and he just has these crumpled pieces of paper in his pocket and he pulls it out it's like a little bit wet and but then it's like a song you know he says like cr crumpled pieces of paper like in his boot and he like pulls this crumpled thing out of his boot and it looks like it's a piece of garbage but no there's a song written on it and it's a fucking awesome song you're like jesus christ and he could just do that all day every day just pulls out little scraps of paper and there's like songs and everything you know yeah no no i would i would and hungry hungry march band was like the same thing back in night back in 2001 when i actually joined the band there was like a very conscious movement of about half the band that half the band were actual musicians that wanted the band to be tight and wanted to play actual songs with arrangements and half the band were non-musicians that just wanted to show up drink party and make noise and i definitely was on the side of like i want the band to be good we're musicians we're gonna we're writing songs and making the band good and it wasn't like hey let's we're gonna kick a bunch of people out but we sort of won <laughs> like the the musicians won and the people that were non-musicians that just wanted to party and didn't want to practice and learn how to play their instruments kind of got the hints and most of them very organically just left the band for one reason or another over those first like two years that I was in the band 2001 2003 and then that movement of the people in the band that were really into their instruments and into the band being good a lot of there were some really awesome songwriters in the band and the the band all of a sudden all these like great things started happening it was just an exciting thing it wasn't like a two-hour rehearsal looking at your watch we rehearsed on the waterfront in Williamsburg in this um weird hacienda it was this weird thing we called the hacienda that was like this concrete platform where a bunch of um mexican and central american homeless guys were like living like next to the east river and it was like this lawless place next to this big vent for the subway which they eventually sealed up and you couldn't go there anymore because after september 11th they realized like someone could do something bad in this like subway vent after what they did in japan but before 2001 people weren't thinking about that so in 1999 it was just this weird 
lawless place with like some homeless drunk you know mexican guys hanging out or listening and the band would just play there for hours you know rehearsal was sunday afternoon at such a such a time but no one was like looking at the clock once we got there we just played for like hours and hours like every single week and other people would come they knew it was kind of a hang and some would bring a barbecue there and somebody would bring some hot dogs or some veggie burgers or whatever and it was just like that time the band just got like got so good because everyone was like excited about it and the band was kind of finding their sound and all, all the band had so many people and there's so many good songwriters are all different and all these different people were bringing us songs and it was just like it was like a really that's to me that's the most exciting time for any band it's like when the band is really finding its voice and everyone is just on this like singular mission to like improve and like just go to this awesome musical place you know now now i would be completely remiss if i didn't mention that um hunger marchman actually has a a new album uh that just came out um running through with the sadness which i believe is your is the fifth the fifth uh studio album um for for the group um and you actually have a uh a a release party um on this friday the 22nd um at uh at market hotel um, in, we do, in and it's crazy, and it's like the the album is super tight and super professional and super professionally mixed, and we've never, it's our fifth record, we've never, this is weird, in 2018, we've never done a multi-track album before. Every other album is all 20-something people standing in one room, blasting away for 45 or 50, 45 minutes or an hour, and like, that's the record. It's like, I mean, to me, it's like almost hard on the ears just listening to like 20 people or 15 people blasting for an hour. And that's when every record, this is the first album where it's like multi-track recording where like you can control the volume of all the sections where there's a crazy amount of dynamics. It's like, it's really musical. It's really, this new record is way more musical than the other records, almost unnaturally. So the band probably is not even as tight and as sensitive in person as our engineer and producer made us for the record. But, he made a great sounding record and it's it's crazy the hungry march band is like super tight now and it's like definitely like a well more of a well oiled machine than it was in the year 2000 you know and we do these two hour rehearsals timed at a rehearsal space boom 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 we get through these songs top shot of band is the same thing you know we rehearse just before the gigs we work on certain songs boom 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 and it's like it's almost inevitable that if a band stays together for a long time and doesn't just break up after a little while, that at some point the band is going to become more tight and it's going to become like more of a well-oiled machine as opposed to like this amorphous thing that's like still searching. And it's that amorphous thing where you're searching with like-minded people is so awesome. But eventually, hopefully, you're going to find like what you were searching for, right? Mm-hmm. Now, as as part of that, I guess that like that search for inspiration. Um, are there besides these? these, these it's not a search for inspiration. It's like a search for your voice or a search for your meaning. Like, what are you trying to say musically as a group, and what are you gonna? What is the sound going to end up being like? You know, finding finding that thing. You know, eventually you're gonna find it. Yeah. Um, and are you now aside from these two the, these two bands we've been talking about quite a bit? Um, are there any other projects that you are currently involved in? Um, there are. Yep. I I just it's like because I didn't 
have enough things to do, I guess. I started a new group this past December called Birth of the Cool. It's a jazz sextet, and we're mostly doing music associated with Miles Davis from the 1940s and the 1950s. Uh, he's someone that like never stops searching for what his musical voice was going to be. And as soon as his band got tight and became a tight, well-oiled machine, he threw it away and started doing something new because he all that amorph that feeling where it's like amorphous and searching he wanted to have that feeling forever and uh it's it's incredible and he was able to do it to me successfully most of the time uh we only focus on the early stuff and because the 1940s and 1950s it's already such a huge period of his music it's like 10 to 15 basically 15 years you're still talking about most of the great American songbook, including bebop, cool jazz, and the beginning of hard bop music. So we call it Birth of the Cool, and it, we do play music associated with him, but we're not playing all his songs that he wrote. We're playing songs that were, were like loosely associated with his band, and not necessarily even the famous ones, just songs that are fun for us that are associated with this music, bebop music, cool jazz, his cool jazz music and the birth of hard bop music. And it's it's really super fun. There's no singer. It's just trumpet, barry sax, tenor sax, and then upright bass, uh, piano and drums. And um, it's not terribly commercial music. I mean, ska, ska music and reggae music seems commercially really popular compared to playing straight ahead jazz in 2018. But it, it is the music I love the most deeply. I mean, I, I'm a very closely associated with Jamaican music. I've been playing it professionally since like 1990 or 1991. But my deepest love is jazz. And every day when I'm at home by myself, that's what I play every day. And it just so happens I met some people this past year or two that I've been playing with regularly every week and uh, just privately in a private jam session. and after doing that for almost two years or a year and a half some of us were just like hey you know this uh this sounds really good we should do this you know in public so that's what we've been doing and uh it's very gratifying uh it to me i i think that we're starting to sound great there's really amazing people in the group luis de from the slackers is our drummer so you know i love playing with him he's one of my most closest musical brothers in the whole world and uh i always want to be involved in music with him so after the Scorchers, he went back to school, and uh, that's actually why he was not the drummer for the original drummer of a Chop Shada band, because um, he had gone back to school at night and was working during the day and at school at night, but I'm so happy to be playing with him again now in this new group. And and if, for those that might be local in New York City, um, where can you where can we catch uh, Birth of the Cool? Uh, right now, we have something scheduled for Thursday, August 2nd at Hank's Saloon, which is uh, on Fourth, uh, sorry, Atlantic Avenue near Third and Fourth Avenues near downtown Brooklyn near Atlantic Center and Barclays Center. Uh, it's a very unlikely place. It looks, sort of looks like a biker bar on the outside, but they actually love jazz and ska music there, and they actually feature a lot of jazz and a lot of ska. Larry, Larry McDonald, the original percussion player for the Scottalites, and uh, who's still very much alive and playing his ass off, just celebrated his uh, his birthday there and did a gig there and. Uh, they love Jamaican music and jazz music. So if Luis and I are going to have a jazz group, it seems like that's the kind of place we're going to play because they're celebrating this music already, you know. 
Awesome. Um, and any and uh, any other shows or anything, any other events you'd like to uh, give a give a promo uh, shout out to? Uh, I mean, sure. I I have uh, I have a reggae club in my basement called the Paragus Headquarters. Uh, I have a dub plate studio on the third floor that's like now one of the top studios for foundation dub plates uh, that people are recording some of the original reggae and original dancehall artists from the from the 60s through the 70s and 80s and early 90s. Uh, this is one of the top places now. We record dub plates with those singers for sound systems here in New York. We, we do a lot of work with sound systems in Japan and uh, sound systems in Europe. Um, I'm like a freak about tone. I just, I'm obsessed with tone of the trumpet and I'm obsessed with tone of the studio. So we have some really sweet old vintage analog gear here and uh, we record uh, dub plate music with these foundation early artists that actually sounds like their original music. So you, you know, you're getting a tune from Yami Bolo or from Sammy Dredd or from Michael Palmer or something like that. And the dub plates that come out of my studio actually sound like their original records, the recordings that we do here. So uh, I, I do a lot of studio work here with uh, artists like that. And then we have a club in the basement. Um, I keep an event called When Dance Was Nice three times a year here that, um, you know, we feature the original uh, sound system selectors from like the 60s and the 70s and 80s. Uh, Tipitone plays here, that's uh, Jawise, which is Cornell Campbell's brother, is one of the top record collectors and selectors probably in the world for Jamaican music. It's incredible that he's with us in New York City and still very active. He lives um, in Queens and uh, he plays in New York and he plays here once a year. African Love plays here. It's another one of the original Jamaican sound systems to have relocated here to New York. And uh, a lot of those kind of selectors play here. And uh, I blow trumpet on the sound system, like original Hornsman style, like Black Scorpio style from the 80s. And uh, we don't have any dates to announce. But, you know, if you go on YouTube, my YouTube is D-E-E-J-A-Y-M-U-S-H-O-N-E. -E. It's YouTube.com slash DJ Mush One, all spelled out. And... There's tons of videos on there. So you can see what you've missed for the past 11 years. We've been keeping this event over here. And there's tons of highlights of, of the artists performing down here and me blowing trumpet on, on the sound system with them. All right. Well, Mush, I, I really appreciate um, all the time you've you spent with us uh, today. Thanks very much. And again, the, the next time people can catch you uh, is this Friday, uh, June 22nd at uh, Market Hotel playing with uh, Hungry Marsh Band. I guess. That's right. And uh, Chop Shotta Band will be live on stage back at Devira Drive with the Far East on Friday, June 29th as well. Excellent. Again, thanks very much for, for all your insight and all your time. Thanks for having me and thanks for giving your crap. All right. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed uh, that interview. Um, so, of course, uh, you know, for, after, that, after that really great interview, um, we have to listen to some of uh, Mush One's music. So, um, first up here, we are going to listen to uh, the Hungry Marsh Band with their song Molly Molly, right here on Almost 100% Ska. <laughs>
This is 100% Ska. I am your host, as always, through this episode, through every episode. Uh, I am DJ Ryan Midnight. And you just heard Arthur K. back from 1979 with his, off of his uh, debut single, I believe. Uh, that was Ska Wars. Uh, before that was Boss Riot with Hearts and Hands. Uh, before that, The Slackers with Tin Tin Dio uh, featuring... Uh, Mushlin on uh, the uh, the trumpet, along with uh, obviously the rest of uh, the slackers there, 
And starting us off, uh, also featuring uh, Mush One, is the Hungry March Band with uh, Molly Molly. Uh, and that song comes off of their album that they are just releasing, uh, Running Through With The Sadness. And uh, that is um, that is uh, being released this Friday. Um, and you can also see uh, the Hungry March Band, in, uh, if you are local in New York City, uh, you can see them at uh, Market Hotel uh, this Friday as well. Uh, that is out in uh, in Brooklyn uh, with support from the Ladrones. So that is going to be an awesome show. I'm going to be there. Uh, you should be there uh, as well. So as always, we've come to uh, the end of the show, uh, sadly. Um, but fear not, for I shall be returning uh, next week with a stack of new music as well. Uh, and to finish us off here, to end out the show... Uh, we are turning to one of my favorite keyboardists. This is Jackie Matu with The Avengers. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you.